Alright, before we get started, um, somebody has my Bible, so it's kind of hard to preach without that. Uh, I'm pretty good. I have a good chunk of memorizing, not that much. Um, it's black. It looks just like this. This one has yellow notes in it, though. Um, so if any of you have this, anybody? Anybody? Okay, I'm going to preach out of this then, and then uh, we can square it later. So, um, if, I, I want to ask you to not open your Bible. Okay, so, it's kind of weird for a pastor to say that, but I want you to listen. Because tonight, I just want to quickly remind you uh, of something that you already know. Something that you already know is coming, something that you already know is, is a reality. For those of you who are um, in the kingdom and you've submitted your lives to the rule and the reign of Christ, you know um, what this is about. But I just want to remind you because, again, it's easy to get our eyes off of the future. It's easy to get our eyes off the kingdom. It's easy to get focused on the now. And it's easy to look around and to say, um, I'm not really sure if, winning, if we're winning. I'm not really sure if I'm winning. Um, in my life, as I look at my life and I look at my sin issues and my struggles, I'm not really sure that I'm winning. I feel like I'm losing. I feel like I'm, I'm just being kind of engulfed in life. And, um, and, and I look around the world and I see, um, you know, just pain and suffering and heartache. And I look at uh, natural disasters and I see um, injustice happening and I see um, just sin all around me. And I'm not really sure uh, at this point in human history if we're really winning and where where's all this going. So I just want to remind you that... Um, Tonight, just through this little passage of scripture about what is coming, I want to remind you that um, God's kingdom is invincible. And so let's let's just start off by saying that together. God's kingdom is invincible. Let's say it together. All of us together. God's kingdom is invincible. God's kingdom is invincible. Say it again. God's kingdom is invincible. Let's say it louder. God's kingdom is invincible. One more time. God's kingdom is invincible. Now, do you really believe that? Do you really believe it's invincible? Because if you believe that it's invincible, that it's coming, that it's here among us, it's already broken in in the person, the work of Jesus, it absolutely will change the way that you live your life. Now, close your eyes. I have a new thing we're going to have proven that this week. I'm going to close your eyes. And I want you just to listen to these verses. I want you to let the weight of these verses sink into your heart, sink into your emotions, sink into your mind. Because this is the reality that you are caught up in. If you want to, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, whether you're even a Christian or not, this is the reality. This is the true story of the world and how one day the kingdom will be consummated. It will reach its climax in the second coming of the king. And so I want to read you from Revelation 21. One day what's going to happen... Um, and this is a, an absolute truth, an absolute reality. Let these words sink in to your heart. I want you with the, with the imagine, with all the imagination that you can muster, with all of the, the creativity and the um, sanctified imagination that you can just muster up. I want you to, to think about, to feel um, these words and to feel them um, in your situation for where you sit right now. For all of your pain and all of your heartache and for all of your sorrow, for all of your joy and for all of your desire and, and just everything that you are, I want you just to accept these words and to listen. Now, don't fall asleep on me. Don't fall asleep. I know some of you are tired. I'm just going to take a few minutes and I just want to read this to you because I hope this will be an encouragement and an invitation to some of you into something that is so far beyond our experience right now. So here we go. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment, free grace. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now keep your eyes close. I just want you to think about this. When you feel this. The Bible says that when God brings about the kingdom, when the kingdom comes in all of its fullness, that there's going to be a new city. That we will dwell with God in a new city. There's no crime and there's no pollution and there's no injustice. Just a new city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. God establishing His reign on this earth. And then when that happens, that we will be in a new relationship with God. No longer will we dwell um, with, with God as some kind of a, a far off a deity, a feeling of just separation and a feeling of loneliness. And I'm wondering if He's really there that God will be among us. That God will be the center of our very existence. That He will be the center of the kingdom. And that all will one day worship Him. And that we will see Him face to face. You will see the face of God. He will know you. He will talk to you. He will speak with you. As a father speaks to his child. We'll have new bodies. I mean, how amazing is that? There's going to be no more visits to the oncologist. There's going to be no more visits to the dentist. There's going to be no more heartache. No more pain. No more sickness. No more viruses. No more chromosomal disorders. No more um, bad DNA. No more genetic predispositions. No more um, pain. No more injustice. No more sorrow. No more grief. No more heartache. No more broken relationships. No more guilty feelings. No more shame. No more embarrassment. No more hiding. The Bible says, and Jesus says, He will wipe all of those things away. There will be no more death. There will be no more divorce. There will be no more children dying of starvation. There will be no more children dying of Something simple as diarrhea. No more AIDS. No more brokenness. He says, Behold, I'm making all things new. Now listen one more time in Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river and the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life. There it is again. 
the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be stamped on their foreheads. God's name will be tattooed on our foreheads as a sign of His ownership and His possession of us as His very own. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and at night, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp of light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now open your eyes. How incredible is that? Like how awesome is that? That ought to give you hope. That ought to give you something to look forward to that one day, that reality, which now we can only whisper of, which now we can only see faintly and dimly, as the Bible says, just, just it's a shadow. And what's amazing is all of our hope that is unfulfilled in this life, all of our desire that is unfulfilled and unmet in this life, all the pleasure that we seek in this life is a faint shadow in comparison to the substance, the reality that is the kingdom of God for those who are children of God. That is an amazing reality. That gets me excited. To see God face to face. To know that there will be no more death and no more dying and no more disease. And we get to just worship God forever and to, and to rule and to reign with Him. We have jobs. We have posts. We have positions to be in His kingdom. Now, that reality of the kingdom is not a reality for everyone. It's not a reality for everyone. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. In Revelation 22... Um, Jesus, in closing out these, these, uh, this chapter on the kingdom, the, some of the last words of Jesus, said, He says this, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears, that's you, that's me, let the one who hears these words about the kingdom and the fullness and the reality and the freedom and, and, and all of these things we just read about, let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, remember we talked about this morning, hunger and thir thirsted for righteousness. Let the one who is thirsty, the one who has desires, the one who tries to find their desires met everywhere else except for God, the one who has a longing for um, something that they can't just grab a hold of, something they can't seem to grasp onto, a greater reality, if you will. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. It means free. Eternal life in the kingdom is a free gift. You can't pay anything for it. You can't earn it. It is absolutely a free gift. And so the Bible says to you, if you are outside the kingdom of God, if your life is not being lived under the rule and the reign of Christ, you come. You come to Jesus. There's no payment. There's no debt. There's nothing owed. You just simply surrender your life to the rule and the reign of Jesus, and you come. And so tonight I want to invite you, it's just kind of the first part of this message, for those of you who have heard me speak this week, for those of you who have heard the song sung, and you've heard the lessons taught, and you've heard the word explained, and you understand what the kingdom is, and yet you find yourself outside of the kingdom, not living under the reign of Christ, the invitation for you tonight is simple. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Bring your sin. Bring your sorrow. Bring your suffering. Bring your desires. Bring them to Jesus and lay them down and find freedom and hope and forgiveness and life and healing and restoration to the kingdom of God for which you were created by God. 
You were created by God, for God, to live, live under God forever. And so the invitation to you tonight is to come, to make that reality your reality, to make that kingdom your kingdom, a life lived under God. Now, those that's for some of you. Some of you tonight just need to come. You need to surrender. You need to stop pretending. You need to stop playing games. You need to stop. Uh, you, you need to make Jesus the center of your life. And not just something that happens on Sunday, and not just something you've heard about from your parents, but something that is a, a reality for you. Now, the second group of you, uh, and really here I'm going to talk to uh, kind of the leaders here, and, and I don't really know who that is, but there, there are some of you who, yes, the kingdom is great, and yes, we have this hope, but, but what are we supposed to do between now and then? Because we have this reality that the kingdom is coming, but what about now? What do we do with our lives now? What do we do until Jesus comes back? I want, to, I want you to turn over now, actually turn in your Bibles, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have it, just quickly, I want to, I want to invite you to something as well. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 in the New Testament, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. That's the transformed work of the gospel in us. Jesus' life for our life. We are transformed beings. We are new creations. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ has reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, um, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So for those of you who are not reconciled to God, again, the invitation is come, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, that is Jesus, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. This is our job until Jesus comes back. Until the kingdom comes in all of its fullness, those of us who are followers of Jesus, i just say two things about all of you that I know to be true. I don't know you personally. I don't know your story, but here's what I know to be true. If you are a disciple of Jesus... And for those who aspire to be leaders in this group, um, this is your task. You are agents of reconciliation. And here's two things that I know to be true about you tonight. You have been uniquely wired by God. You've been uniquely wired by God. God has given you a set of skills and talents and abilities, personality. Some of you are outgoing. Some of you are introverted. It's all good. It's all fine. God wired you that way. Don't try to be somebody else. Some of you are athletes. Some of you are uh, the opposite of athletic, whatever that is. You're, uh, you, you have that special gift of uncoordinated lankiness, okay? And that's okay. Don't be ashamed. Be who you are. Some of you are amazing musicians. I mean, God, you know, you're, you're, you're musicians and you're artists. And some of us are the opposite of artists. You know, we, we destroy things, okay? We don't create things. 
And that's okay, because God's given us uh, each different gifts and different sets of things. Some of us are really good at making money. Even at a young age, we, we're entrepreneurs, we're business people. We know how to make money. I mean, God's given you that as a gift. Some of you are, are good at um, you know, making other people look beautiful. I mean, God's given you that gift of you know, beautification or whatever. So some of you have already talked to or going to beauty school, and that's great. That's a gift. Um, others of you, I mean, there's all kinds of wires. But the point is, you have been uniquely wired the way that you are. And don't be ashamed of that. And I see so many times um, young people, teenagers, they want to be somebody else. They want to be somebody else. And you spend all of your life wishing and trying to conform yourself to an image of somebody that you admire. And all the while forsaking the gifts that God has given you. You are uniquely wired by God. And not only are you uniquely wired by God, you've been uniquely placed by God. So Acts 17 is going to say to you that not only are you wired for the ministry of reconciliation, but you are placed for the ministry of reconciliation. Acts 17 is going to say that God has predetermined the boundaries of your dwelling, the places in which we should live. So it's not an accident that when you were uh, a child, I've talked to some of you, um, God moved you from Indiana to, um, to uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. God moved some of you from... California to Cleveland, Tennessee, you might go, this is a God-forsaken country. Why, why am I in Cleveland, Tennessee? Well, God has placed you here. Now, some of you may be going, yes, I'm never leaving this place. This is an awesome place. I love Cleveland, Tennessee. I can't wait to come back here and to raise my family. So whatever your feelings are about Tennessee, um, it doesn't matter. God has placed you here. It's not an accident that you were born in the 21st century, the 20th century. It's not an accident that you were placed here in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's not an accident that you're on your basketball team. It's not an accident that you're on your football team. It's not an accident that you're in this youth group. None of those things are accidental, even though you may not understand why you're here at this time in this season for this reason. The Bible says that you've been placed here. And you can fight that all you want. This is, this is where God has you. And so you can either look at that as an opportunity to, um, to, to make much of yourself, because look at me, and look at my talents, and look at, you, you can go that route, and you can, you can try to make much of you, try to draw attention to yourself, or you can say, maybe, just maybe, um, I didn't have anything to do with this talent that I have. Maybe I didn't have anything to do with this personality that I was given. Maybe I didn't have anything to do with the fact that I was born to these parents in this place. Maybe God has given me that as a platform to leverage for the advancement of His kingdom. You are agents of reconciliation. God has created you. He has called you to make disciples. That's why He didn't just beam us back up to heaven. That's why He didn't just take us back up. He's left us here to have a ministry of reconciliation, to use the wiring, to use the placing and the timing of everything that's not accidental, but is under the providence and the sovereign goodness of God um, to leverage those things for the advancement of His kingdom. And so I want to challenge those of you who are here, who are Christians, who may be going, well, I'm kind of bored with life, or I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing, and, and man, I just get so bored with Christianity sometimes. Could it be that you're bored with Christianity not because Christianity is not an adventure, not exciting, but because you have squandered the opportunity that God has given you. Some of you have squandered four, three years of your high school. Some of you have wasted two years of your high school time. You get four years in high school to make it count. Do you think it's an accident that God has placed you uh, at, at Bradley? Do you think it's an accident that God has placed you at Walker? Do you think it's an accident that God has placed you at Cleveland? Do you think it's an accident that God's put you in your neighborhood? I mean, to be around, to be around thousands of, of other teenagers, many of whom are lost, even, yes, here in Cleveland, Tennessee, are lost. It's not an accident. 
And so I want to challenge those of you who are listening, who are tuned in, who are, who are wanting to be leaders in this group to think uh, purposefully and intentionally about the next year of your life. To not let another week go by, not, to, not let another year go by where you just waste that time, where you just kind of exist and you go and you get up in the morning and you fix your hair and you get ready for, you know, hopefully you brush your teeth and you go off to school and you go to your locker and you go to your classes and you, you, you go to practice and you come home and you do some homework and you grab a little snack and you get in bed and you do that day in and day out for another 364 days until you find yourself back here again next year wishing that you would have taken advantage of the opportunities that God's given you. Let that be your story. God has placed you here to make disciples. Those of you who are upperclassmen, God has placed you here to make disciples of the younger students in this group. To encourage them. To love them. Not to, not to mock them because they're freshmen and sophomores. You know? Because it's, it's easy. You know? It's, it's fun sometimes. Maybe it's more of a sport. But maybe, maybe that's not why He has you here. Maybe God has you here to encourage, to love, to press in, to invest in a younger student who's going to be a leader in this group one day. And, and younger students, sophomores and freshmen, maybe God's placed you here to encourage a middle school student, an elementary age student. Maybe you can use your giftings to serve and to make disciples. Maybe God's put you next to that locker of your friend or that guy on your ball team who you can reach out to and you can pray for and you can invest and you can lead to the Lord and then you can help them plug in and understand the Bible and understand how to pray. God has given you this ministry of reconciliation. Don't waste the opportunity. That's it. That's it. That's our message tonight. So here's what I want to do. I want you to bow your heads right where you're at. Put away your stuff. And I just want to invite you. I want to invite you right where you're at. Two simple invitations tonight. Can't miss it. Last night I can't. Last opportunity. At least here. To respond to what God's doing in your heart. God's speaking to you. Holy Spirit's prodding you. It's time to, it's time to act. It's time to respond. So here, here's two invitations. One, for those of you who are outside the kingdom of God. For those of you who've never experienced the, transform, the transforming work of Jesus in your heart. You've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus you never grab hold of the promises, the kingdom for you. You can experience forgiveness and cleansing and healing. You don't have to walk in shame and let that be your identity. You can cast that away and give that to Jesus. To stop making much of yourself, to stop thinking of yourself as the center of the universe. And to acknowledge that there's one who is greater than you, who created you to worship him. To, to define you, to be the center of your existence. Created you for a relationship with Himself. And tonight, the invitation for you is to come. Come to Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. No tricks, no, no, no payments. Sacrifice has already been made. You simply receive. And the Bible says, and Jesus says there in Revelation, you come. You come to Jesus. You believe in Jesus. You turn from your sin. You give it to Jesus and you come. 
And so right now, I want to just ask if there's anybody in this room, anybody in this room who can hear my voice, who would say to me, Brandon, man, I, I, uh, I need to come to Jesus. I need to come to Jesus. I need to repent. I need to believe. I want to come to Jesus. I, I, God's been speaking to me. God's been working on me. And I'm ready to respond. I need to come. I need to run, to fly to Jesus. I know that I'm hopeless before God. That I can do nothing to earn a right relationship with God. And I just need to run and cast myself on Jesus as my only hope. The Bible says that He lived a life that you could not live. He died death that you could not die. That He was buried in the ground and three days later He rose again, offering eternal life and salvation to those who would believe. The right to be adopted, the privilege of becoming sons and daughters of the King. And one day spending eternity with Him in heaven forever in His kingdom. And so I just want to invite you tonight, if that's you, if you would say, man, Brandon, that's me, I need to come, I need to lay down some sin and come to Jesus, I just want to invite you to look up at me, and I, I, want, to, I want to lead you in how you can do that. It's very simple. And I, want, I just want you to look at me, I need to come to Jesus. I need to stop pretending and just come to Jesus. Look, okay? I need to come to Jesus. Okay? Starts with just an acknowledgement. Just look at me, and I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Okay? Okay? Come to Jesus. Just look at me now. Okay? Okay? I need to come to Jesus. Okay? Yeah, it's okay? I need to come to Jesus. Just look at me in the face, okay? Okay? Alright? I need to come to Jesus, okay?
Bible says that uh, until the kingdom comes, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. We've been given this ministry to make disciples of others, to use our gifts and our talents and our abilities to leverage those things for the kingdom. And so I want to invite um, you, those of you who maybe would say tonight, I mean, I, I, I've been wasting the opportunities that God's given me. Amen. Tonight, I want to recommit myself to seeing my life as um, one of disciple making. That, that, that I want to be an agent of reconciliation. That I want to use my life. I, I want to commit myself over the next months and weeks to come to really, um, to really press into the kingdom. To really um, leverage myself to serve others and to be an agent of reconciliation in my neighborhood, in my school, on my team. I know that I've wasted some time, and I want to do that. I'm ready to make a commitment to use my life for the glory of God. To use my life, to spend my life, um, not of myself, and not, um, not just you know, but, but just to use my life. Um, for, the, for the spread of Jesus' name, to be an agent of reconciliation, to be uh, to use my platform that God has given me to make disciples. And I want to commit tonight um, to doing that in my youth group, to doing that in my home, to doing and doing whatever it takes to, to make things right when I get back. If there's relationships that need to be handled so that we can do that, if there's uh, you know some parent things that need to happen before we get back so that can happen, um, whatever it takes for us to rebuild credibility, I'm going to do those things as soon as I can, and then I'm going to use um, the months and, and the year to come to really give myself to the kingdom of God, to really make this a, a greater reality. So if you would say that tonight, like I, I would like to do that, I'd like to make that commitment tonight, um, I want to just uh, ask you to look up. So just look at me. Okay. Lots of people. Lots of people. All right. I want to use my life to I want to make this year count for Jesus. I want to make this year count. Make this year count. Okay. Okay. All right. I want to make this year count for Jesus. All right. Okay. Okay. I want to make this year count. I'm not going to waste another year. I'm going to use the platform that I have for Jesus. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm going to use this year for Jesus. Agent of reconciliation. I'm inside of it. Okay. Guys, I see you. Ladies. Everybody. Okay, great. I want to pray for you guys. This is so important. It's so important that you don't waste the time that God has given you. And that you see yourself this way. And God has just unbelievable plans, I believe, for this group of students. And if you will give yourself to Him, He will never disappoint you. I mean, I just look at that. all the potential that's represented from all the men and the women in this room. I want to pray for you this year. I want to pray that you would stay faithful. I want to pray that God would guard you from temptation and things that are going to distract you as soon as you leave this place. I want to pray that God uses you to leverage yourself for others this year. Amen. Uh, there's some accountability in this room. There's some accountability in this room. You look around you and you see other ladies that go to your school, other men that go to your school. You hold each other accountable. You pray for each other. You stick together. You group up and you do this together. Amen. I believe that God will give you an incredible year this year and, and will far exceed anything that you could ask or imagine. And so let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads Let me pray for you. And then I want to invite you after we pray. Um, we're going to sing another song. And, and during that time, it's just an opportunity for us to respond. And just one last time, really tonight, um, the last night of camp, just to respond. And then, again, if you, need, if you have some issues you need to work through, I want to invite you to step out. Uh, maybe you want to just uh, kind of talk to a leader and tell them, like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. I really want to, I really feel like God wants to use me in this way. Will you hold me accountable? I, I cannot encourage you enough to get around some godly older people and to tell them that because they will help you um, do that. They can help you execute that. They can help um, press on you and, and 
maybe threaten and push you this year as maybe you're tempted to get off track. And so maybe you need to do that. You need to go tell a leader, and this is what I want to do. Or maybe tonight, and so many of you gave your hearts to Christ, so many of you said, yes, I want to come to Jesus, and you did. And then he, he loves you, and he, he's accepted you, and you are a new creation tonight. And, and I want to just encourage you, um, let that be known. Let that be known. Don't um, dwell in anonymity with that. You let that be known. You, you go tell a leader. You grab somebody by the hand. And just All you have to say is, man, I gave my heart to Jesus tonight. And I don't even know what that means, but I, I've come to Jesus. And I just want you to know that. Maybe you need to tell a, a girl. Maybe you need to tell another guy that. Maybe you need to grab a leader and just tell him. Um, and maybe, again, you've got some sin issues, some things that you're working through, and you want to just talk to a leader about that. You want somebody to pray with you. Um, I don't know what it is that the Spirit of God is telling you to do. Um, maybe it's nothing, but I, but I, I think that it's something. And so whatever your response needs to, needs to be, after I'm praying for those who just made this commitment, I want you to stand up, to sing together, and to just do what you need to do. Go talk to you. Dozens of leaders around here who love you and are waiting to just uh, encourage you tonight. So don't let this opportunity pass you by to, to, to really uh, get some things out there to talk to some of us. Okay? So let me just pray for you guys, and then you respond as you need to. Father, I pray for those who tonight um, have heard the call to be agents of reconciliation, who know that you have uniquely wired them and uniquely placed them in their schools and in their workplaces and in their neighborhoods. Um, God, for your glory and the spread of your name. God, I pray this year that these students would seek in every way to make much of your name, that they would see their lives as a platform through which um, your glory and your renown and your kingdom can be made known among their friends. God, I pray that you would give them fearlessness and a boldness and a courageous heart, God, to do and to speak and to proclaim and to serve and to lead well. And God, that um, you would bless this youth group and bless these students who have made this commitment here tonight with success, with fruit. God, that they would see their friends come to Jesus. And God, that they would be excited about that. They would see their neighbors come to Jesus and they would be excited about that. That for some of them, they might even see brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus as a result of the work that you're doing in their hearts tonight. God, would you just impress upon them the importance of their ministry of making disciples. God, thank you so much that you choose to use us imperfect people, broken people, people with all kinds of issues and all kinds of paths and all kinds of stories and all kinds of journeys. God, you delight in taking people like us and making much of yourself. So God, may we be faithful to do that this week, this month, this year. May we go home with a renewed sense of passion to be about your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name.